when the post-game podcast ends, the post-podcast podcast begins. Coming up, more about this Knicks game? Certainly. But how about the Ben Simmons injury update? We didn't learn a lot, but that's exactly what you would expect. We dive in on that conversation coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you'll find Doug Nori. I'm Adam Armick. We thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all of those great platforms. And, of course, Doug, as we get in on the post-pod pod, we think about Ben Simmons, the two-week timeline, the injury update. And a whole lot of fluff, in my opinion. Yeah, this one was pretty easy to see coming um, just because with these kinds of things, no news is almost always bad news or no news is no news. And that, and, you know, that's still bad news. And, bad news. Um, and so Ben Simmons, who's been out since uh, November 6th, that game against Milwaukee, he's been out with the nerve impingement in his hip. Um, they've been giving two week status updates, like 10 week, 10 day and two week status updates. Jock Vaughn was asked about it on the road trip. He said there would be an update here before the home game against the Knicks, which you kind of knew it was going to go like this, but I'll read you the de- definitive statement just so everyone can hear it. This is from Nets PR. Ben Simmons, lower uh, left lower back nerve impingement, has displayed consistent strength improvement in the affected area over the past two weeks and has further increased individual court work. That is actually a little different than the last time. His status will be updated again in approximately two weeks. So we are now looking at, you know, somewhere around January 4th for another update. It's always good to remind people about these updates that the two weeks is not a retort. They would be clear about this. We're targeting a return to action in two weeks would mean like January 4th, he's coming back. All this says is in another two weeks, we'll get an update. So he's set to miss. I'll count him up here in a moment here, but you know, minimum he's going to miss. Uh, I'm on the wrong team. I'll, I'll find this in a second, but um, well, you, you know, when you that. saw this was like, was it surprising at all to see that this was the update on Ben Simmons? No, of course not. Here's a supplemental from Jock Vaughn. You know, we're doing this two week thing just to give you some sort of semblance of being able to communicate with you. He's just continued to improve strength wise, which is the biggest thing for him, which has allowed him to continue to do uh, to do things on the floor. So, again, like this was a ceremonial two week update. And as as we've constantly framed it, when they say two weeks to update, that means two weeks until we tell you that it'll be another two weeks. And no. Nothing about this surprised me. And I'm not, this isn't, this is nothing inherently negative about Ben Simmons. He's injured. When initially happened, we asked, what do you think the timeline is? I said, talk to me after Christmas. And then when it got updated and it looked worse, when we updated our timeline, I said, talk to me in February. And that feels holding true. And that probably is getting pushed even further out in spite of the on court stuff. We've heard that often with him. And it doesn't always be, it doesn't always necessarily represent an indication that there's actual progress being made there. Yeah, and just so everyone knows here, around injury timelines, like usually, now there there are outliers here. Usually around injuries, it's like pretty definitive about you're going. This player is going to miss X. There's different kinds of injuries, and I get it. But like you know, sprained ankle, two weeks, right? You know, high sprain, four four to six weeks. So you know, we we pretty much know. The part where Vaughn says we're giving you the two weeks, that's just basically code for we don't know, we have no idea. Right. It could be infinity. We have Hopefully no it's not. So Hopefully we just came it's not. Tell you. Yeah. 
like gonna here's this is the old stop asking me update <laughs> right like and so but it's and I, I don't know maybe you can't do it differently maybe they just have legit no idea often with injuries there's just are are at least given rough timelines and guidelines it's clear to me here they have legit no idea they don't know and well, it's not their fault. Maybe it's a totally new thing, but they they don't know. They they they. I'm sure if you ask, they had no idea. Or it's like way longer than anyone wants to even picture, and they and they're hesitant about saying it. Well, here's the drill down on that, and I we understand it's a much more significant injury with Ben Simmons and has been a history there, etc. The other update that they put out today was about Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker the fourth. Again, not nearly as severe injuries. Dennis Smith Jr., who has missed the last six games to an upper due to an upper back sprain, has been cleared for full, full basketball activities. He will continue to increase his on-court work over the next two days and is questionable for Friday's game versus Denver. Lonnie Walker, who has missed the last eight games due to a left hamstring strain, strain has steadily increased his individual on-court activity. He is expected to progress to five-on-five play over the next several days with a goal of returning to the lineup next week. Again, we understand how much more significant the Ben Simmons situation is, but these injury updates involve clear things, right? This is where they are. This is what's coming next. And here's the target date. And you mentioned there, I think the big part for Ben Simmons right now for me is they're not even giving speculative ideas about what it could look like. And that tells you that they have no idea and that this flare up, this injury, this impingement, it, it, at a minimum, they are way too concerned about it being substantial to even tiptoe around the idea of when he could be back on the, on the court playing basketball. And I also think, and this is just me reading the tea leaves, so I, the, no, you know, this is not reported anywhere. My guess around this timeline is that Ben Simmons has just a history of not playing, and it's right. I, I want I do wonder if there's like a combo deal of. One, it's just like a totally rare injury. And like, this just doesn't happen. Like, you know, nerve impingement, epidurals, he's had back surgery. He's got a lot going on. Like there's, yeah. like, there's, there's bad stuff that's going on with him. And it's also, maybe there's like a little wild card stuff here too, right? Like where we just don't know. And it, we just can't put a number on it because we're just not sure. Like there's got a history of not playing. And I'm, and I'm really careful about this. Like, I don't think he's purposely sitting out. That's like not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that I wonder if some play, let me put it this way. I wonder if some players are hard to uh, prescribe set timelines to than others right know? like and i just wonder if he falls into the latter camp of we have this totally w- weird thing that doesn't happen to a lot of players and this is a guy that we've had a, a weird history with so far and he's had a weird basketball history and i just and i just don't know but it's it's any net fan and i think most people are just over this but any net fan pining for like him to come back or if he's gonna like change things like you just i just don't see how you can i, I hope it happens but i just don't see how you can you know, hit your wagon to that at all. Let's continue this conversation in a second and open up to you, the fans, obviously live on YouTube as we continue talking not only about the injury with Ben Simmons, but also this Knicks loss that the Nets just suffered. We'll get into that in just one moment. All right. This episode is brought to you by better help. Look, there's no better time to start with therapy right now. You're giving gifts to the holidays, get to others, give yourself a gift right now by getting in on better help. There's no better time to start therapy. Start therapy. Sorry, going easy on yourself during the tough moments. Maybe you're treating yourself to a day of complete rest. Make sure during the season uh, to give yourself some love 
over the holidays, which sometimes can be the toughest time to do it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, totally suited to your schedule. And those are really important checkboxes for anyone that's looking to get into therapy too, Greg. You, you know it's going to fit around your schedule. You know that BetterHelp is going to work with you to make sure it's a time and to get matched with a licensed therapist, which is just going to be right for you as well. You just got to fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll get matched. And if it doesn't, you know, not a match right away, switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. The season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MBA today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash MBA. As we continue our post-podcast podcast episode and open up to some comments from the fans, there's a few that I want to throw up here, but I also want to drill down on just another quote here um, from Jacques Vaughn when he was talking about it. Uh, and what the timeline looks like or just what he's been doing. He spoke, talk, talked about how he's just been discussing basketball with Ben Simmons and things that he saw on the past road trip and what's working for the team or not. But he was quoted as saying, you know, the big part of this is the strength part of it. And so as he, Ben Simmons, continues to gain strength, that will allow additional bodies to be around him. And so, no, he's not playing two on two, three on three right now. Hopefully that's in the future going ahead. But I think overall, you're just adding different stimuli in order to get to the point where you can put bodies around him. So just drilling down on this a little bit deeper, he's not doing anything remotely around the fringe of sniffing basketball activities at this current point. So two weeks from now, you're probably going to hear very similar language to this. And I would be shocked if they said, yes, two on two. Yes, that's in that's in the quote near future. It's just more language that suggests, again, they don't have a clear timeline for this. And someone had asked, as we talk about the comments over here on live, um, we can just we can give our our two cents on this. Oh, real quick, while you're while you're queuing that up, I'll say uh, we were in a Nets chat and I was trying to set what I thought would be like the betting line. This was two weeks ago now, mm. uh, maybe a week ago. I can't remember. I can remember where I was, but I don't remember where I was. I was watching my kids uh, dance thing and only reading Twitter and arguing with people about something with the Nets while I was supposed to be watching the dance. That's how I can remember where I was while loving your family. But, um, yeah, so, and I was, we were, I was trying to set a line of what I thought the over under for his minutes for the rest of the season were. And at that point I set it at 600. Right. And I forget the exact calculation, but it was something like he was going to miss X amount of games that we already knew. I was going to back out 60, back out another 40%, even on best case scenario. And then like 20 minutes a game average. Mm-hmm. That was 600, 600 minutes is nothing, nothing. It's 20 games at 30 minutes. Right. And I was, that was a number I felt maybe it was 650. It was like a number I felt pretty comfortable at the time. I would market lower now, uh, which is crazy. It's like no time at all. And I think that's a realistic number, like 600 minutes for the rest of the season. You know, for, you know, that's, that's 20 games for a starter, right? Is 600 minutes, like roughly. And I would put the number lower and I would, I'm rooting hard for the over, but I just, you know, being responsible, I couldn't bet anything but the under. And that's where when Gara comes into the chat and says, "Locked on Nets," what's your guess when we oh. see Sims return? Do we see him past uh, post All Star break? I just wanted to, I just wanted to get your take on it because I mentioned I had said it was New Year's, then I said back it out another month, and now I'd say you have to back it out an additional at least two weeks or at least another month. Like, what is your, what do you have even in your mind right now as when you think, if at all, or or is, are you at the point too where I'm pretty close to saying? Oh, it's more likely we don't see him at all this season than it is we ever see him this season. 
Yeah, that's why I gave like I, I'm not comfortable with the exact timeline. I'm just comfortable. That's why I wanted to give the. I know this isn't like the fun answer because it's not. I don't want to set a timeline for it. I was just trying to think probabilistically around what I thought like the realistic expectation was for the rest of the season. Yeah, and the expectation is just really low in terms of return. And that's why I was saying like if I was doing it where I had to actually bet money on it, and I had to come up with like what I thought was a fair line where you would bet on either side of it. I think that like 600 to 650 is fair. And the fact that I'm saying lower means that I have very little faith that even if you were to return, it would be lengthy, right? So yeah. like, let's say yeah. even if you returned in a month and got a full green light and we saw all the IG videos about how great it was, like how great the return is looking like you, you still can't be bullish about, about him returning. It's just, there's too much context now. It's it. We're so far beyond the pale with this, that, so I would set the, I don't know what the timeline is. I don't even, when's the all-star breakout March, something like that. Yeah. Probably something around there. Yeah. So anyway, I, yeah, uh, I mean, I think, he, I think he hits the court again in February. That uh, I'll, February, I'll, 18th, I'll, February 18th is going to be the all-star break. All-star game. All right. I say he hits the court before sometime at the beginning of February. I don't know. Yeah, I don't have I'm any, probably, I don't have any confidence in that, but yeah, whatever. I'm probably around that, but yeah, also don't, don't ask me to take bets on that <laughs> because it will not be on the table here. Uh, coming up in just a second, I want to look at this around the Cameron Johnson conversation, obviously, because that's becoming a hot topic here. And then uh, I really do want to probably pose a high-level question to you as well, Doug, and we'll continue to hear from everybody here with the fan base as well in just one second. All right, before we get to that, tell your good friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made so, so easy. Prize Picks took all the best parts of fantasy, removed all the hard and annoying parts, and believe me, I know about this, and just made one of the coolest products you can get on a day to day basis. That's because over on Prize Picks, all you're doing is you're going more or less on the Prize Picks projections points, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals. That's for the NBA. Uh, for NFL, you're going to rushing yards, passing yards, receiving yards, touchdowns, all the fun stuff. You go in more or less on the prize picks projections. You went up to 25 times your money. You can combine players and sports too, which is fun. Also too, prize picks offers a reboot policy. So your injuries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. And if you root for football or basketball, you know that a player that exits the game could be absolutely brutal for some of this stuff. Don't have to worry about it over on prize picks. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Once again, that's pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Code Lockdown NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks. It's Daily Fantasy made easy. All right, continuing our post-podcast podcast episode. A couple of things that I wanted to get to here inside of the cons. Actually, this one just came up, which I thought was really good. Uh, frequent flyer here, Jean-Claude. Nets fans are mad at their own players for losing, but I see a ton of trade ideas for players on other losing teams. Make it make sense. This is something I was talking with Tony East from the Pacers earlier um, just through text asking about, hey, you might want a DFS. What does that look like? What would you be willing to give up? And he said, he's like, oh, won't the Nets be buyers too? And I said, I don't think so, buddy. Like it's a stand yeah, I don't know. or should be, you know, or should and will likely be selling. And every game starts to move that direction. So just to John Claude's point, like, we're, I mean, 13 and 14, but we're a losing basketball team at the moment. Teams that are like that don't go out and make moves for players on other losing teams. You're the team. You're one of the teams that's giving away product and bringing in draft capital. Yeah, this is, I, it'll be all fascinating to see what happens to this team at the trade deadline. Like, I have no idea. Like they could be buyers. You know, it's not looking latest reporting by Jake Fisher. It seems like the Cavs like aren't all that interested, at least right now in discussing Donovan Mitchell stuff. By the way, Cavs, without Donovan Mitchell, without Darius Garland, without Evan Mobley, beat the Jazz, mm -hmm. who we just lost to with basically all the players that, you know, 
we have. Um, Can we have everybody they, they, except for uh, for Donovan Mitchell? From well, the I'll tell you real quick. When you see wins like that, because I watched a lot of that game because I had some stuff in on that one for the on the Cavs side. It does hurt. Like when you see that, it's brutal because you're like, hey, we're just in this situation, and the Nets were just total dead team walking, and now you get like Craig Porter, Sam Merrill can't miss a shot, and they just beat this Utah team, who the Nets just got totally bombarded by. Yeah, and the Cavs had nobody except for like Max Struess and Jared Allen. And, yep. you know, guys that there were at the very end of the bench to start the season. So anyway, long story short, those are those are rough ones to see. No, Jared. Not Jared Williams, he freaking flyer. It was another horrible game. And I, you know what? When you come in with just succinct, really poignant statements, we like to highlight you. This one from Con Locked on Nets. I hate to take this talk, uh, talk about Cam J being overpaid. It's ridiculous. It's a market value contract. It gives us flexibility in 25, 26. He still gets uh Three to four free throws protected. Uh, uh, three to four first round picks unprotected, lightly protected. I this I just think because you and I said this, we agree with the contract at the time. We were fine with the contract when they signed him in the offseason. So you don't go back and and have this you know a revisionist history around was it good or bad or not. And it's also descending money and there's guarantees in there that don't really matter. I think this is fine. I will say that his performance so far this season, again, I wonder how teams around the league look at players like this, knowing. Well, they're in the net starting lineup, but it doesn't mean they would be an elite player for our team. It doesn't mean that they, you know they wouldn't be the fourth best player on our team, the fifth best player on our team. And where does the value kind of start to go there when you think about contracts, you know, in years going forward? Yeah, I don't think I said he was overpaid. Um, I said that he has not improved, and that was. Oh a yeah, big I don't think I don't think Con. I don't think you're referring to us specifically. Well, let me just clarify either general. way. I do not. I agree that his contract is relatively in line with like what he provides. Like you look at Struess's contract and some of these other wings. They're like they're like a little bit more than just three or D wings. Uh, Struess, I think, is a good example. Like then you then I think it's fine. I think the problem with Cam Johnson is he gets <laughs> this is all about expectations. He gets a big bump in salary. He takes up a significantly bigger part of your cap than he did last year, and his numbers have just kind of gotten like worse. And yeah. I think that's more the issue. It's right. It's like free uh, field goal percentage down, although it's probably up a little bit after that. Uh, three point percentage uh, up a tick. Free throws getting to the line way less. Right, scoring down. Now some is a byproduct of you know more Cam Thomas shots. So I get it, but and maybe it's unfair. Maybe the maybe the, the we're holding him too high a bar. And you're right. Like this, he's playing exactly what you know, an $18 million a year guy should be doing. I'm, you're probably right. I guess my point is that I think when we all thought about this, and this is where expectations kill you with this stuff, with the money, is when we thought about it, we thought, oh, we're going to we're gonna see a little leap here, and that's not happened. So I think that's it's more around that context than around, like, him being overpaid, which I, I if I said it, I, I didn't mean it, and I take it back, and I just don't think I ever said overpaid. I, no, no, yeah, I don't think we did, and I, but I, but I know I did say, uh, you know, hey, let's talk about him being a twenty-point scorer this season for the Brooklyn Nets, and that has obviously not come to fruition for any number of different reasons. There's a couple here. I'm going to throw these up just to acknowledge these guys. J Law, uh, marketing of the Jazz if he becomes available. Also had Grant Norris with trade for DeRozan, and you'll be a playoff team. I, I mean, listen, just objectively, yeah, you'll, you'll be a playoff team. But again, it's not about making the playoffs; it's about winning basketball games in the playoffs. I just wanted to highlight both of those to say. We will talk about the deadline, the trade stuff. I think you're already getting the indication from us that we don't really see a lot of viable moves where the Nets should be putting assets out there to go get player X or Y. We just talked about Donovan Mitchell and how neither one of us would be on board with making that trade. 
Um, but the, the, the curious part for me is, is does desperation, desperation, excuse me, strike for the Nets and Sean Marks in the front office where they feel compelled to do something to save this version of this team, which leads us to Jean Ramey. Sean Marks has to trade Mikhail, Cam J, and the older vets on this team due to Simmons' injury. Now, the two parts of this is, one, when you have that much of a contract for Ben Simmons, it, it does change how you look at your books because they want to reset the repeater tax next offseason, not this upcoming, but the one after. In order to do that, you can't go over the luxury tax coming up. So they need to do certain things mechanically here with their cap in order to make sure they stave off that. More than likely, it's going to be the discussion around Nicholas Claxton and, and making sure you avoid getting into paying him $20-plus million. Moving on some of the veterans, too. Um, I don't know if we said this live on the podcast or if we were talking about this, Doug, but there's just no world where Mikhail Bridges is going anywhere, at no least chance. in the short term. But that's a good talking point. Like you don't, you don't believe there's any world where he goes anywhere, obviously, this season. Do you think there's a world where next season we have a different type of conversation around him? I mean, I wouldn't bet my life. I would bet almost come close to betting my life that he doesn't get traded this season. Obviously, um, yeah. I think that I would come close to betting my life. I don't know. I, I would put a sizable bet in that he does not get traded in the next couple of years. That he's a guy they resign. That they like everything about him, and they should. And he again faced the KD trade. It's just kind of got to work. He's a great guy. I mean, like he's a great, like he's a legit great dude. And like those are kind of the guys. Those are definitely the guys you want. And, and maybe the hope is, excuse me, maybe the hope is they make another trade where he's the third best, second or third best player, and where you think they really slot him down, be. and now it looks like a totally different scenario. That's my guess. They would try their hardest to go that way, and not and not the strip it all down. I don't think they have it in them to do that. I think it's they've just not signaled ever that they want to do that. Like they, they've probably taken it on the chin times by not even making very what seem to be very obvious moves to sort of start recouping assets for older players. They just haven't really done that. And I don't think they would do this. Yeah. And I think just on Mikhail, because you mentioned it there, remember his contract, Cameron Johnson is the highest paid guy currently actively playing for the Nets, not including Mikhail Bridges, but uh, including Ben Simmons, excuse me, but Mikhail Bridges contract isn't bad right now. And then just to your point, it's like, if you want to keep him around when he's what, he'll be 31, 30, 31 when this current contract runs out and you're going to bring him back. But what does that number look like? Because again, with, as the cap goes up, you're going to pay him 20 something million dollars a year. It probably isn't the worst contract in the world. And he's not a bad player and he can be serviceable, but you do have to find the way to putting guys ahead of him in your pecking order. Uh, by the way, I'm going to say too, I think like a, a, a heartless corporate suit should, would think really hard about trading him. Right. Yeah. Like, I think that, like, because I think actually there's a lot of merit to doing that. I think you could recoup in an unbelievable amount of assets. You could just totally strip it. You could just lose and just be okay with whatever, like, pick Houston got for a year or something like that. <clears throat> Again, if you, if there was no other context to this, I think that right. there's a world where that does make sense. There's just too many other things here. Like, there's just too many other things. And that's why I don't think it will happen. It's not because I don't think it shouldn't be at least discussed. It's just that it's just never going to happen. And this, by the way, does rewind it back to the trade deadline last year when it was the Memphis Grizzlies that offered four first-round picks for Mikhail Bridges on a pass-through trade. We're not saying that they should or shouldn't have done that at the time. We were very happy to have Mikhail Bridges. We're still happy to have Mikhail Bridges. But to your point, not making that decision then, then change it, then takes away a lot of other decisions you might make this year, this offseason, the next offseason, right? It dictates a lot of what you're organizationally going to probably do. Whereas if back then you did it, and we talked about it before too, this would be a much less interesting team to watch and it'd be down to the parts and you'd be tanking this year. 
but you would also have four first more first round picks and you could do a lot of things with that. But those decisions are ones they didn't make. I'll end on this note here just because I'd mentioned this earlier um, from Jonathan. Which team do you think Brooklyn gets the best return on Dorian Finney-Smith, who's arguably the best trade asset? I had talked with Tony East, and we, I was just batting it around. And he had said, oh, what does Brooklyn want for Dorian Finney-Smith? And I reminded him, well, there's you know, there two first-round picks. That was talked about at one point. I think they still want that, and there's been indications that that's where the Nets are going to value him, so they probably won't end up trading him. But we settled on a like protect, lottery-protected first-round pick Ben Shepard and salary matching. I wonder if he's going to say Ben Shepard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he, so he listed him. He was like, and this would probably be because based on like where other contracts are for them, guys that matter to the rotations, all that stuff. And I actually, I thought, you know, then you go, you, I remember Ben Shepard in the draft and you go, well, okay. Like, you know, that's a bigger backcourt player does, you know, could, you could look at him and think about developing a 22 year old, all that kind of stuff. That, that to me is probably not the best version of a trade package. But as I said to Tony at the time, I would take that if I was the Brooklyn Nets. I wouldn't really even bat an eye about it. Give me a first-round pick that's protected. Great. In the upcoming draft where we need one, give me another young player to try to look and see if we can develop and move on from this, this constant scenario of, oh, what are we going to do? When does Dorian Finney-Smith's value drop off? And oh, by the way, Ben Shepard is also on a four-year contract at a very reasonable number. Like Those things matter financially for Brooklyn as well. So that's, that's my big closer. All right, we're going to get out of here. Much appreciate everyone that jumped in to the old post game live here. Never fun times after you lose, especially to the Crosstown guys over there. Those are the ones you want. You hope the team's going to get all the way up for. Uh, did not happen after this one. Nets maybe facing some existential questions here uh, going forward. We're going to see over these next few games, collision course with Detroit too. Please, I, I can't even. I, I, my, my heart won't be able to help. If they, if they somehow find a way to allow Detroit to stop the all-time losing streak, which they would put when they would set the record. We've already mapped this out. They, oh, they would... good, good news. Good news. Ku from Locked on Pistons. I talked to him today too. And he goes, don't worry. It's not going to be a concern. <laughs> so he has very little faith in these Detroit. Back to back against Detroit. He's been watching the Brooklyn Nets lately. That'd be 26 and 27. That would set the single season record. There's like a, there's another record because the, the Sixers did everyone dirty and kept losing over the span of two seasons. But this in the in one season record is 26. Uh, the Nets would face them for the 26th and 7th game. So something to they look also forward play to. the Nuggets coming up next, just to be very clear here. <laughs> There's also this other little thing. Pistons game is the biggest one on the calendar. Okay, <laughs> we're going to get out of here. Much appreciate everyone that jumped in. Make sure you subscribe over on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Hey, guys, Rhodes. That's what Sean Mark said. Where we're going, we don't need Rhodes. It's Doc Brown from Back to the Future. We'll be back next time talking more Brooklyn Every Nets day. basketball. <laughs>